Okay. Welcome everybody to the new installment of what? Okay, editing. Okay, back to, back to another episode of whatever we're about to call this. Uh, I have a special guest, a good friend of mine, Megan. Hey guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's just get right into it. Um, tell me about your story. Tell me about your childhood. So, um, I am, I think like I should start out with like, I'm adopted into a white family. And, and I think that, um, everybody's usually pretty surprised by that, but it's like, not like the, whoa, I would have never guessed surprised because I sound like a white person, I guess. So, right. but, um, I think it's more like a surprise, like, oh, that all makes sense now that you act the way you act because you were raised by a white family. Right. Um, I mean, middle-class white family. So, you know, I was quote unquote privileged. Dad had a boat and we lived boat. <laughs> um, I learned to swim, you know, just, just the regular privileged people stuff. Right. Um, it was, I think it was hard. Um, not as hard when I was younger, because when you're, you're young, you don't really understand the concept of like a race and, and all of that. But when you get right. older, and your friends, quote unquote friends, become like more aware of the color difference in your family. They like to point it out. Right. And um, and then and then you get around black people who are raised by black people, and some of them are, are kind of like almost rude about yeah. me being raised in a white family. Right. It's kind of like, oh, I bet you, you know, you know, and, and right. everything like your, I bet your car is paid for. I bet they pay your rent. I bet and you're like, no, they le literally left me out here to dry. Okay. Like I, you know. <laughs> I just, you know, so I think that it created a pretty interesting platform for me in life in general. College has been um, interesting, all the different dynamics and stuff of, people's lives and I think that me being in the place that I am I'm able to look at a lot of different situations right. differently um but as much as like race is kind of like a part of my story I I hate it <laughs> just screw everybody right. you know um but I also I also have the opposite side of me where I'm like I like to stand up for what is right and what is you know correct yeah um, and so I think that growing up, that was really, really difficult. Cause if you don't know who you are, like you're trying to base, you know, who you are off of the color of your skin or whatever, like, right. you know, how can you, you know? Right. Not yeah. for that. I feel that. Um, yeah. I mean, regarding childhood, cause like the whole, like, like you being raised, like in a white family mm -hmm. type of thing, like I was raised around, you know, all black people, but like today, if I go around like certain parts of the city, like I get looked at as not like like a white black dude in a way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I and I'm like, when I was younger, it's like, damn, like, is it because how I dress? Is it because how I talk? Like, what's going on? Like, cause I'm I'm the darkest dude here. Like, right. like what's going on? <laughs> but like, like as I grew older, I started to just realize like I'm kind of like just dynamic like a unicorn in a way like right. i'm just like i'm into this i'm into that you know and i talk like this so like just because i don't slang just because i don't you know do certain things like i'm looked at as a white black dude and it's just weird because like i've had black my back my black friends say that and i've had like my white friends say that too so it's like damn like who's some y'all right. you know what i mean right. but like now like today like 
I definitely embrace it. You know, I've heard that my entire life. So mm-hmm. I kind of just embrace it, you know? Yeah. Like it's not a bad thing. It's do a you, good thing to talk talk proper. Right. Like, why well, is that bad? Do you so? Do you think that like your desire for furthering your education and stuff like that played into people's kind of label slapping of you being like a white black person? I, I mean, yeah, just because like the whole stigma of like black people can't get into college or can't finish college or whatever, right. whatever. Or if you do extra years of school after high school, then. You're just a certain type of person, but I look at it as like any per out of any person. How are you going to further yourself? Unless right. you're just born into money, or you hit the lottery or something like that. Like, what can you do that's going to value yourself to get that job or to you know? And you need a, a, a college education. You right. need you need that. And sometimes that's not even enough. Right. So. Yeah. But I don't really I don't play I don't pay enough mind. You know, it right. is what it is. Yeah. So, so being. So I, I am, I was going to say, don't tell anybody about this, but like, we're, we're, (laughs) um, so I, I actually find myself way more comfortable around white people than black people. Why is it? Um, I just, I, one, I feel judged. Like immediately I walk into a room of black people, go to the cookout, whatever, (laughs) You know, right. didn't didn't make her son a plate, didn't grab the crabs, you know, yeah, yeah, don't like the oxtails, like, you know. Right. And um and I I feel out of place. I feel judged. And then and then they open their mouth and they say things like, you know, oh honey, get yourself another plate because obviously you need it, you need more meat on your bones, you know, mm. I'm supposed to be a big black, beautiful woman or something like Maybe that, that, you know, and <laughs> and um and so, but white people, like the, the literally, I've, n- I've never met a racist white person in yeah. my life, which is That's crazy. crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> um, but you walk into a room full of white people, like as a pastor's daughter, all the churches I've attended are white. Right. And um, they just compliment you left and right. They're like, we love your hair. You know, your, your style is on point. Like your eyes are gorgeous. Skin is go- like just never ending, just oodles of compliments and support. And like, right. and they talk to you like you're a normal person and that you're like, you're on your, their level, you know, just knowledge wise too. I feel like there's a lot of woke black people that, you know, they talk about the motherland. I'm like, no, I was born in the West side of Chicago and that is my motherland, right. you know? So I think that, um, and maybe that's just me being in- insecure. I'm not sure. Mm. But I just, I've never been as comfortable around black people as I have around white people. Do you feel like it's because of like what you're used to? I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like how I grew up. And that was, and and, I mean, my parents didn't raise me like waking up every day and telling me like, hey, reminder, you're black. Right. You know, we just kind of lived life. Right. And I almost feel like um, black people tend to constantly like try to remind you that hey 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 you need to do this and this and this and the world is after you and you have to prove people wrong and you like you know you have to get to the top you have to be above the white man and like this Mm -hmm. whole you know agenda that you're required but that was never a thing with with 
my family or white people that I've come into contact with, it was always like, what are you, your, what are your interests? You know, right. what do you love? What are you passionate about? Right. Work ethic was a huge thing growing up. I grew up on a farm. So it was like constantly going out and scooping chicken poop and moving hay bales. And, you know, and that's what made me who I am today. And so I think maybe that 100% has something to do with why I'm, I'm, and y'all laugh. <laughs> You're laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and, and and that's just like that's not even that's not even just a racial thing. Like I'm an old lady in a 21 year old body, and right. so like my downstairs neighbors like roll up and and play their trash music <laughs> at three in the morning, and, right. and I'm like, ah, y'all need to go to bed, you know? But, right. So let's talk about uh, dating and your preferences and what you look for. <sighs> Interracial dating. Let's let's, let's, <laughs> let's dive into um, that. So I I have not always preferred white guys. Right. Um. I I was always the, I was always the ugly kid. Me too. <laughs> so it was just kind of like whatever guy was available and right. was like showing right. me interest. It was just kind of like yeah, sure, that's that's good. Yeah. I think the first guy I ever quote unquote dated, um, which I was never allowed to date because I was just a very I was. Yeah, no, uh, I, sh I was very protected. Right. So um, the first guy I dated was mixed. And then um, like from there, like I when I moved to Florida, it was more black men. Right. And then when I moved to South Carolina, it was black men. And then um, once I mended relationships with my family, cause I kind of like, dipped out on them and oh, was like, yeah. <laughs> so um, I mended relationships with my family. I was dating somebody at the time and um, I had decided to move back home to Indiana. Right. So um, I was super excited because I had been dating him for almost a year and I was like, he's the one. Obviously he wasn't. And um, I introduced, like I was so excited to introduce him to my parents and introduce my parents to his mom. Right. Just because like family is such an important thing to me, like the dynamic of it and everything. And right. um, she was, his mom was awful, oh, wow. like standoffish, barely talked to my parents. Like we had a plan to sit at her house and just kind of converse and get to know each other and everything. She's like, yeah, no, I'll take you guys to the hotel now. Like as soon as they're walking through the door wow. and like, you know, and I think in that moment, I realized that I will never be able to date a black person that doesn't understand that race should never be an issue. Because I won't tolerate that. If your family is going to be mean and rude towards my family about something that they can't help, which is the exact thing that the black community is worried about white people doing to them, mm. like. There's no room for that. I don't tolerate that. So after that relationship, I have dated white guys since. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't on purpose, but I think I was more drawn to them because I wasn't going to have to worry about the weird tension conversation about like, hey, my parents are white right, right. and you need to respect that because you ask me to choose my family over you when there's not a ring on my finger, 100%, I will choose my family right, every day. As you, as you should. Right. So, you know, I think that it's, it's been so much 
easier. And I feel like, you know, black women are always like, oh, white men treat us like queens and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, no, I've had my share of, of white men that have jungle fever and think that like black women are just a kink type of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's so important to find somebody that is acknowledges like, yeah, you're black and that's it. Right. Because I love that, you know, because I'm not like I'm, I'm Megan. Black isn't who I am. You know what I mean? So let's pause for a second. Yeah. So I think that, um, it was always important to me, um, to find somebody that would see me outside of the color of my skin. And I think that it's always a hit or miss with black men because you have like two different categories. You have the black men that are like, you're a black woman, you're my queen, and we're supposed to be a power couple and like all of this weird stuff, which I'm, I'm not a queen and I'm not like, I'm just uh, weird. And then there's the black men that are like, I don't, they're, they're, they just don't care. Right. And that's just like, they just don't care, period, right. you know? And then there's, you have like the unicorns like you who are yeah. just kind of like, we're, we're just gonna, you know, we, <laughs> we we're gonna do whatever we please, right. you know, exactly. because, exactly. you know? Exactly. So, um, so with my, with my fiance, um, I think maybe, <laughs> I know, we, which is a drastic change from last summer because right. last summer was like, it was, it was crazy, but okay. I, it, it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like, um, men are trash and, um, I am a hot single woman and there will never be a guy that will ever, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then, and then he came along and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe you, mm. you know? <laughs> um, so I think that with my fiance, we had maybe one discussion about race and like that was it and from then on it was like what are your interests what are you right. passionate about like stuff like that and i just love that we don't sit down and talk about you know how can how can i help you make a black owned business where you can sell t-shirts that you got from walmart for a hundred bucks a piece after you slap the label on it you know right. no shade but like, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I know too many people that do that. Right, but like, yeah. you know, and I love that. I love how it's just easy because there's so many other things that need to be worried about than race, you know? And right, I think that, right. um, you know, we, we have, we obviously have to discuss like, okay, so when we have kids how is that gonna work because i know that raising raising a mixed child in this world is difficult because they're either an accessory or they're kind of like uh, an abomination because right, both right. sides of the communities are like uh you're not one yeah, of us I bet it's so tough. definitely tough. you know i just plan on telling them that nobody loves them just kidding that was sarcasm yeah, but say, <laughs> <laughs> no no so you know we have to talk about stuff like that but you know i we just vibe all the time. Right. You know? That's and, good. I think, yeah. not to cut you off, but I feel like, like if I'm dating a white woman, 
obviously got to have that conversation like, okay, like right. how does your parents feel? How will my parents feel? How will my family feel? You know what I'm saying? But once you get that out of the way and it's just smooth, like you just start to see, okay, we're just people. Like, we're right. not like, okay, you shouldn't be with him because he's white. You shouldn't be because with her because she's white, Asian, Mexican. Right. Like I don't understand that stigma, but I think it's something that it's always, it's always been going on. Like it's always been a thing, mm-hmm. like dating back to whenever but mm-hmm. i wonder like will it ever be like socially accepted right. to for so, you to walk walk around the goddamn campus with a white man and it'd be okay and not be stared at right you know what i'm saying or, yeah. or snared at by you know whoever have you ever brought a white girl home like how is how does your family feel about um <laughs> see my, my family like they're accepting like yeah we're accepting like it's just like whether or not you're gonna be comfortable because we don't care what your color is right. it's just like who are you right you know what i'm saying yeah like, but you do gotta get the humor you know what i'm saying you gotta you think there's a thing like white humor and black humor you believe in that yeah um yes yeah i find that's one thing that i can think about like dating back like bringing someone home just like hanging out but like not getting the jokes or not getting this or whatever mm-hmm. But I think that it comes with just like adapting, but I agree. there's never been a problem, but I do know people who like have had that problem where it's mm-hmm. like, damn, like I, I'm scared to bring her home because mm-hmm. I don't know what my mom's going to say or whatever, but you just yeah. gotta be, you know, I think eventually we'll evolve mm-hmm. and we'll, you know, look at it as just my son or daughter likes this person mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. No matter if they're gay or if they're, whatever race they are. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to like be that safe space mm-hmm. for people. And I think that's how I view my family. I'm sure that's how you view your family too. Just like as a safe space for, for sure. everybody. For so. sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, you want to get into the, the topic we were talking about off air? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, You caught me on a good day because I don't think I'll cry about it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so I, um, I guess, I guess this is the time where I'm like, ah, for more information, <laughs> oh, yeah, listen to my you. podcast. You plug your podcast. Um, so I, I started a podcast last year called Whitish, and I'm sure somebody somewhere after it actually takes off is going to email me and be like, uh. Hey, uh, you can't have that yeah. name. And you have to change it. And I feel like you know a lot about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I just, I, I created the podcast because I needed to talk. I dumped my therapist because I hate therapists. I hate psychologists. I just, I, I hate them. And um, after, after the the traumatic things that happened to me, you know, you know rape and, and molestation and all of those things. I never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I went to a therapist and then like told him to F off because it's like, I don't like talking to somebody who doesn't understand exactly what I'm going through and somebody that I don't know personally, right. like my dad's paying you to listen. Like that's, that's about as deep as it goes. So, um, <laughs> all these years later after, you know, kind of shoving it under the rug, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be my own therapist because I met a lot of women and, and men that have dealt with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And 
And I, it took a while, but you start to realize that those things happen, not so you can keep them to yourself, but so you can help others. So my podcast has been just that processing things, saying things out loud and being like, you know what, this is what happened, but this is how I deal with it. Um, and these are kind of the aftermath facts of things like that. And so, um, I think that my podcast is for any and everybody, you know, there's humor, there's tears, there's trauma, there's just all of it. And it's on all platforms, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Spotify, Spotify, Anchor, Anchor. Apple, Apple, like just all of it. Right. So, um, which, which when it, it emailed me like, Hey, your podcast is on Spotify. And I'm like, what did I do yeah. to deserve that? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? Hell so, yeah. you know, official. I do, I really do. And I, and I've, I've connected with some really awesome people and um, I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, it's, so far, it's not like I have just millions of followers. Like I, I, I think you had posted something about your followers one day, and I was like, "So that's what success looks like." <laughs> <laughs> like there's absolutely no way, you know. But like I have a couple of really solid listeners that just listen. And, and I'll, I'll take I'll take know? five people who yeah. listen to it and can talk to me about it. Then under three, it don't matter. Like, yeah, as long as you have like that this core base like i don't even because I, I never say fans like i just say people who just support yeah and just listening like that means so much like if, if five people was like hey i, I listen to that whole thing and i i dig on this and that or even debating me like oh mm -hmm. i don't think you know this is right or whatever whatever like i love that i don't care too much about the numbers but you know like nowadays it's like that's the only thing that can give you like validation like in like grand in the grand scheme of things i guess you could right. say like sometimes you have to boast because like you work hard on it you know what i'm saying these are our thoughts right. so i feel like they should be recognized agree but yeah but yeah man i, I, I definitely you know i definitely fuck with the podcast i, I definitely fuck with it. <laughs> um but another question i want to ask you is what is your stance like like with the mental health like because obviously i feel like mm -hmm. you've dealt with it before and like yeah. i've dealt with it before in my past so like do you feel like it's something that just never goes away you feel like it's something that you kind of just learn to cope with learn to you know yeah i think it depends on who you are right. so for me um i obviously developed a lot of mental issues going through something like that right. i mean if you didn't you would that would be a mental issue if you right. developed mental issues right right um and it was like depression um, and stuff like that. And I think I was diagnosed with borderline personality mm -hmm. disorder. Oh, okay, like, I, got, I got diagnosed with depression. I'm like, that's kind of broad. You like, know, that's mm -hmm. really, you know, and um, and then I was also, I, don't, I think I should symptoms, whatever that means, of um, reactive attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and that just, it's, it's, I feel like it's the same thing as borderline personality disorder, just kind of like, have a hard time trusting people, having a hard time being trustworthy. But these are all, you know, things that were diagnosed before I was 16. Right. You know, so it's like, were they actually a thing? Was it a behavioral issue? Was it, you know, and because now at 21, I'm like, okay, yeah, you drink a little bit too much and you cry about things you really shouldn't cry about. But I've done all of that without medication. 
and without you know having to go to therapy. Have I gone to therapy? Yes. Did I hate it? Absolutely. Did I leave it? Mm-hmm. Am I doing okay? No. But that's all right. You know. Right. You just you you just you're just kind of like life sucks sometimes, and I'm very cynical about stuff like that. But I also you know I also think it's important for the people who do have like schizophrenia and like the more. I want to say toxic mental issues to be taken care of. But I think that I don't like the labels of depression and, and all of that, even if you do have it, because I feel like for certain people, that's their crutch. That's their excuse. They're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm such a bitch today Um, because I'm depressed or I'm bipolar. And you're like, Becky, you are 18. Okay. And bipolar depression shouldn't be diagnosed until like, maybe 30s so you know it's just you know i i think that mental health is a huge issue and i talked to my last past podcast about like why mental facilities are so important in their structure and the way that they treat people with mental illnesses because sometimes it is just behavioral it's not always mental illness right so you know but how about you how do you how do you feel um, <laughs> Tell me how you feel. <laughs> I mean, honestly, no lie. I used to think that depression was not real. Mm. Like I was in high school and like I had a close friend of mine and like I can't, I don't, I can't say names obviously, mm-hmm. but like if yeah. she listens, she'll know her. She knows mm-hmm. about her. But like she would like literally like wake up every day sad as fuck like every single day. It wouldn't stop. And I'm like, damn, like, like you're in high school. like, And I felt like at that point in time, it's like what... What do you have that is so bad mm-hmm. about your life? You know what I'm saying? And like, we could never figure out. Like, I would stay up talking to her like hours on end, like every night. Like, yeah. damn, like, can I do this to make you happy? Can I do mm-hmm. this? Like, and nothing will work. And like, I'm like, damn, like, there's no way this shit can be real. You're just dealing with something. You're just, you know, just a phase. Right. And then um, later in life, like, I experienced loss and I experienced, you know, heartbreak all at the same time. And I remember just, having deja vu because that was me at that point because i'm like damn every day i'm like i do not want to get out of it every day i'm like damn i do not want to i don't want to be here no more you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but and i'm like damn it's, it was crazy because like three years ago you didn't even think this was real right. and then now you're at the fucking uh at a fucking clinic getting diagnosed with fucking depression so it's like damn but i think like over the course of time you kind of just like you said you know life is it's life you know, you can either let it fuck you up and, you know, make you not do anything in life. Or you can just realize, like, okay, this is what's going on with mm-hmm. you, you know. And when you feel yourself slipping, like, take these steps to, you know, stay sane or just stay afloat. So, like, and that's where, like, like I'm at now. Like, at 24, like, I know when I can feel myself slipping. Mm-hmm. So, I already know, like, what I need to do to, you know, negate that. So I think like if anyone out there is dealing with that, which I think many people are, I think it's a good thing to have mechanisms and like people that you can relate to about it. So that's my whole spiel about it. But I definitely like now today, like I do apologize just for everyone who I did say that I thought it was fake, like, or I thought it was just like a little, you know, something that yeah. is whatever, but it's, that, it's very real. It's very real. And anyone out there that think that it's not, you know, I don't want to wish on anybody, but right. you won't really know until you experience that shit yourself. So, yeah, no, definitely. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But, 
Um, okay, I'm gonna just try to wrap things up here in a little bit, but give me, speak of, to end that topic, mm-hmm. give me three, if anyone out here just listening, like what would you give them advice-wise? Like what are three things that you would say if they're dealing with it and they have nobody? Um, I think that the most important, like number one thing for me is it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Like acknowledge that, yes, I am sad because I think it gets way more destructive when you're like, it's not, it's not there, but it is there. Right. Um, I, when, um, I was in treatment for a little bit and I hated it then, but they always be like, what are your coping skills? What are some positive coping right. skills? And I'm like, I don't know, still Susan, watching you stab yourself in the neck would be really great for me. But um, but now even like as an adult, I have a lot of coping skills that I didn't even realize were coping skills. Right. And so having those having those coping skills I think are very, very important. I bake. I bake all day, every day. And and it's weird because whatever I'm baking it will not turn out correctly unless I am stressed or depressed or angry or whatever. Like I just put all of it into my baking, which probably makes it poisonous, but that's okay. You know, I just, and then um, three, I think that it's very important to have a significant other that understands. I think that um, for me, it was always very difficult finding a guy that was like, not okay with what happened to me, but was normal about it. Right. I think that when I tell people about it, their their automatic response is sympathy. And oh, I don't look at you any differently. Like it, it wasn't your fault and blah, 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 blah. But then like the relationship proceeds and they start acting weird. And, and because like, I completely understand, you know, I, I understand why it would be difficult to look at a woman that, that, doesn't know her body count because she had no control over it. Right. You know, cause I think that deep down, you know, no matter what people, rap artists, whatever say, like nobody wants to marry a hoe. Okay, Cardi B <laughs> and Offset are not happy. I don't care what anybody says. You'll let the money you let know, the money. You, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I really don't. And so I think that it's important for for you to have a significant under, uh, significant other other that understands what you went through, right? Why you told them what you went through, and understands how they can help you heal. Because a healing process isn't just you. You have partners in healing processes. And I think like my latest thing that I've discovered is usually. Like I'll have triggers, which, you know, I hate that word. And anybody that was like, oh, that triggers me. I'm like, you know, like shove it up your head, you know? Right. Um, but like I have triggers when I'm out in public or, or hanging out with my significant other's family or whatever. And I will tell him like, I need to go home. This isn't a safe space for me. I need to cry. Like I just, I need to leave. Right. He doesn't question me. Nothing. Gets me in the car, gets me home, makes sure I'm safe. And, and leaves it at that. Like there's right. no, you know? And so, but I realized that. I haven't been healing in my times of being alone. And so I've realized that taking it to the next level is like being around people that know and love you and and having them help you heal. So those are like my top three things for people that are dealing with depression and, and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that is, you know, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Have your coping skills 
but also surround yourself with people who love you and understand exactly what you need. And even when you don't know what you need. Right. You know, so yeah. What about you? Uh, three things. I say three important things when dealing with depression or any, I would be like, low, like your mental health isn't there. I think that you should definitely have some type of support system. Like with you, like you have, you have a significant mm-hmm. other. With me being single, it's like, okay, I- You're single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's got all the girls. Uh, I let's not hear it No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but um, I think you should have like a good like support system. Like me, like, that's why friends, like having real friends is very important to me because I deal with like real things and as you know, everyone does, you know what I'm saying? but. I, I lean on my friends heavy because like like I, my dad's not around, my mom passed, so it's like I don't really. And my, I love my grandpa and my grandma to death, but it's like some things you can't really, mm-hmm. you know, re- relate with. Like yeah. They, like yeah, like yeah, just fuck. But shout out grandma and grandpa. But like I need to like <laughs> have people my age like I, like I just need to be able to talk, and I have a great support system. So like I'm really thankful for that. So I say like have a good support system. Um, I think understanding that like you're not okay mm-hmm. like if you need to sit in your house or sit in your room all day and cry that is completely fine i think like and you should realize that like it's okay to cry especially as men black men like man i definitely reach out to like because like black men being vulnerable in any way is just looked at so bad but like i'm not ashamed of saying yeah i, I cry sometimes like cry hard sometimes mm-hmm. Because shit, like, we all go through shit. I've been through some crazy shit. So I think it's cool to cry. So I think, like, it's cool to be, just be sad for that day or for a week. Um, third thing, really cliche, but I would say prayer and music go hand in hand with me. Because I think prayer is, is very good, very important. And then music is really good because it kind of, like... This, I don't know, it's kind of like therapeutic in a way. Like you can just listen to, to certain songs or certain melodies and it just makes you just feel better. Or it might make you cry, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Cause it's so sad, but I think those three things are important uh, for me. Because mm-hmm. like, that's what I've done to yeah. cope with depression and shit. So yeah, for sure. But do you have any last remarks for the listeners, the viewers, if that thing is still recording over there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that just, uh, like him fault no. Um, <laughs> um no i um i think that i'm super happy that i got to be your your guinea pig for your first episode, hey, first episode. like i am honored <laughs> um i look forward to doing a collab with you next week next week um, yes, sir. Uh, yes sir white-ish is White-ish. the name of my podcast Everyone um, check it's it out. on everything if um that's what you guys are up for i'm sure you're sitting at home doing nothing so please help yourself um and always as always like my social media and everything i'm sure you can tag me and all of that and um i would love to hear from you guys about you know how you feel about what we conversed about today i'm always a conversationalist don't come in my inbox trying to tell me something different (laughs) but like you know give your (laughs) give your opinion 
Right. And yeah, I just, I, I love that conversation and, and I look forward to having more. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so welcome. much. Y'all have a good day. Y'all be safe out here in these terrible times and we'll catch you next time.